Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. When I was about uh, seven, eight years old, I had this fantastic idea. I had this idea that I had this brand new awesome bike. Now, this is the 80s. And in the 80s, the bikes were amazing. I had this cool white with like blue tired bike and across the bar BMX. I had a real BMX bike. And so I had this fantastic idea. This BMX bike was not meant to be driven on roads. It's meant to fly through the air with me on it. So I had this idea. My friends and I gathered together and said, we need to make a ramp. We need not to make just like a typical jump that's like, you know, like, hey, we, like, we need to make something in which we soar so far in the sky. We believe that we are literally flying. We had the bike. We just now have to create the ramp. Now, when you're seven or eight years old, a foot off the ground is in the air, remember? But not for us. So we said, okay, we're going to start building this ramp and this great idea. But the problem is I lived in Milwaukee. I lived in the West Milwaukee area. I was in the city. So being seven or eight years old, I didn't have a car to go to Home Depot to buy the lumber and buy the screws. And I didn't have a drill. And I actually had no idea what I was doing. So we had a perfect idea. What we're going to do is we're going to go around to all the dumpsters and find every material we can find. And we're going to find those materials, bring them all together at one o'clock and start to build our ramp. Good, good, awesome. We go. And so I take off in one direction, my friend and the others. And we come back together. And what we found was pretty disappointing. We found a couple of pieces of wood. And we found a pile of bricks. And that was it. I'm like, okay. So our seven to eight-year-old minds at this point, now again, this is the 80s. We didn't wear helmets. We didn't think about stuff. There was no YouTube. Well, how do you build a ramp before YouTube? You make stuff up. So we grab this wood. We grab these bricks. I have this fantastic idea. All we have to do is build enough bricks on the back to put the wood on, and then therefore we can launch up into the sky. So we started with like one or two bricks, and we'd ride over the wood, no problem. That's not high enough. We added two bricks. We'd jump out to make sure it was secure because, you know, we didn't want to get hurt, right? We were thinking about that the whole time. And so we do that, and I I get the bricks set up, and I have two bricks, then three bricks. Like, okay, cool. Like, guys, this is ridiculous. We can go higher. So we take the bricks and I start to stack them one upon the other. And I said, I want to go first. Now, this is the best part of the story. In my young mind, I believe the only way to gain enough speed to jump off my new said ramp, which was probably at a 45 degree angle, was to go all the way around the city block because I would gain more speed that way. So I, (laughs) yeah, laugh at me now, right? I want to remind everyone who doesn't understand, it was the 80s, right? So, so my BMX bike, it's beautiful, brand new, blue knobby tires. I loved this bike, BMX across it. I take off like I was in a race, and I'm pumping as hard as I can, getting my momentum. I don't remember much, but I do remember thinking this. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I am so cool. I am pumping as hard as I can, going around a city block, 
you know, as I'm going past cars, I feel like I'm going 55 miles an hour. I'm probably going like six. I'm pumping as fast as I can. I get all the way around the city block. I turn back into the alley and there are my friends. My friends are standing on each side of the ramp and they're cheering me on. Yes, go, 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 go. And so I start pumping harder, harder, harder. I hit the ramp because I was going to fly. I fly into the air, the feeling of wind through all of my hair. As I start to soar, I am flying, but I'm realizing I'm upside down. (laughs) I'm flying through the air and didn't realize that as I hit the wood, all those bricks collapsed. It was like me hitting a brick wall and I'm flipping uncontrollably at an... It's the 80s. We didn't wear helmets either. There were no knee pads. Well, maybe, but I didn't have them, right? And so as I fly through the air and I hit the ground, this is where the story gets fuzzy because at that point I'm unconscious. It's now what the story is told to me. I'm knocked out cold. All I know is what story is told to me. All of my friends scatter and run home. I'm unconscious, laying in an alley in Milwaukee. My beautiful bike, who knows where that is. My one friend has the, the, the bandwidth to be able to run over to my mom. She runs over to our home, ring, knocks on the door frantically. My mom comes to the door. Jason's hurt, Jason's hurt, and he takes off running. No idea where I am. Wait, 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 where is he? He just takes off running. So now my mom knows that her son is hurt somewhere in Milwaukee in an alley. She has no idea where I am. So. She finds me, I guess. I'm knocked out. I don't know. It was, it was a good knockout, right? I come to, and I realize that all the skin on my left side is gone. It was the 80s, okay? So I, I, all the skin was gone, all my arm. And if you've ever had road rash like this before, I'm going to give you a graphic detail that hopefully doesn't make you squirm too much. In the city streets, they aren't exactly swept all the time. You have debris. You have glass, and you have those little bitty pebbles. So inside of my skin and in my body is (laughs) just pebbled, bloody mark. In fact, it was so bad. There's still a spot on my leg today. I totally killed my nerves. I can, like, stick a knife in my skin. There's no nerves. Don't suggest it. But that's how bad this was. So I flipped, and I must have slid on my head, face, body, on my left side to a point of pure unconscious. So this is the lesson I learned. I want you guys to hear this today. This is very serious. If you're ever going to go off a ramp, you have to go around two city blocks, not one. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I, I thought about this story, and I thought about, as a child, how, how foolish were we as a bunch of kids to gather all these materials, which are not made for this, and our thought process never was about how we're going to build this. Our thought was, how high can we get? You know, I, I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with jumping, and it didn't stop me jumping off of stuff. I've been doing that my whole life. But at that point, I was just thinking, like, how do I get to get to my end goal? I'm not even thinking through the process. Is this safe? Now, I'm a parent, and all I think about now is, is this safe? I watch my kids do stuff, which is so much safer than the things I did. Kids don't listen to me. It's so much safer than the dumb things I do. And yet, I'm like, is this safe? And safety, and what we're trying to process through this is, Is this built well? And oftentimes in our life, 
we start to think about things that we've done in our lives. We go through processes. You make choices and you don't even think about, is this the right build? Maybe you're launching into decisions or thinking through things you want to do, but you're not thinking, have we really thought through if this is secure? And Jesus lands this amazing passage. We've been working through Matthew chapter 5 through verse 7. We did the first half. Last year, we came back to where we're concluding our, se- our sermon series, Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you, if you have not read the Sermon on the Mount, all of Jesus' teachings are somehow, some way brought into this amazing package in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He teaches us all these wonderful, amazing things. And what's really cool about it is he lands this entire teaching with this thought. If you don't build a base, everything collapses. If you do not build a base, it will collapse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. It's on your sheets, your song sheets that you have here. Uh, for those at home uh, or would like to grab your Bible app, uh, for those who use technology, also uh, paper, of course, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. Think about this. Jesus had just taught this huge, awe-inspiring, life-changing sermon. And then he says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came, the storms rose, and winds blew and beat against that house, it didn't fall because its foundation is on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, steams rose, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against it, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. So Jesus summarizes his teachings and says this, everyone who hears this teaching about the kingdom of God, everything has been about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? So for those who need to kind of be brought up to speed or or newer to the series, Jesus is teaching us over and over again, what is it like in his system? What is the God system look like? And so the kingdom of God, when Jesus says the kingdom of God, he's talking about that. This is how it is in my kingdom. It's opposite to our kingdom because our kingdom is riddled with sin, selfishness, all the drama that we have. That's our kingdom. Jesus says, here's my kingdom. So he summarizes all this. Anyone who hears my teachings about the kingdom and does them. Now I want to pause for a second. Because if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard a whole lot of teachings. If you're new to this, or maybe your first time hearing anything about Jesus or the kingdom, this might be, wow, I've never heard that before. But those who've heard and been to a lot of sermons, how many sermons do you need to hear until you actually do what Jesus says? I I like giving sermons. It's what I do. Uh, I think I'm sometimes okay at it, especially when I tell stories about me flipping over handlebars. But like, just think about this. How many sermons have you heard in your life if you've been doing this? You can stream them. You can get them on YouTube. You can come live. You can watch them online on Facebook. How many sermons do you need until you do what he says? And so he sits here and says this kind of pointed statement. Those who hear my words and actually do them have a different type of life. So here's a great test. 
about your belief of the kingdom of God. Do you believe or expect me as your pastor to live any differently than you? I, I can see the look on your face and you and Facebook, I can probably see that too. You're thinking, yes, no, kind of, wait, but you're a teacher, so you should live a different life. Like you should be different, but we're all disciples of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple. If you know Christ as your savior, you're a disciple. You're one of them. And so we all are supposed to be hearing the words of God and putting them into practice. But oftentimes in our American system of religiosity, we start to think, okay, our pastors are people who are the, you know, the paid religious people, whatever you want to call them. They're supposed to live to this standard. And then the rest of us just kind of do what we want over here. And sometimes we kind of do a good thing but our pastors better be great. How do I know this? Because for years of ministry, I've been this year, 20 years of ministry, that's what people have said to me. There's an expectation that somehow, as me in this role, have a standard that you aren't supposed to go to, but you want your religious pastors, whatever you call them, to be at a place that's different, and you're going to aspire to be there. But that's not what Jesus just taught us. Jesus that taught us said, everybody who hears my words and lives them, has a different foundation. So the truth is we are all together, bound together by Jesus' teachings to inspire and push each other towards greatness, to be more like him, to actually do what he says. That's why we exist. So my role, which I love, is to help inspire and push you to be like Jesus, sometimes you like it, sometimes you don't like it, sometimes it frustrates you, but a good coach should irritate you. A good coach is supposed to say, hey, there's better that we can do. There's better. And that's what Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount. The listeners there listening to him said, what in the world is this guy saying? And Jesus being the ultimate coach is saying, here, I'm going to coach you how to live a life that's going to be firm when the terrible of life comes to destroy you, when all the garbage comes, when the news come that you lost your job, when the, the cancer announcement comes, when your wife leaves you, when your kids don't talk to you, when you feel ostracized, when you feel alone, when all of the junk of life starts to come, when there's a pandemic, when you feel like you can't take another breath, when you're on your last leg, I'm telling you, what's your foundation? Because if your foundation are on the teaching of Jesus, those whose foundations are firm stand firm. They don't get rocked. Because his entire teaching was teaching is about how to live in the kingdom. Because kingdom-mindedness is our focus is not on here. It's the kingdom of God. So as a church family and as believers and disciples of Jesus, we are all pushing each other to the greatness of the gospel to be more like him and that every single day anything that's outside of this amazing teaching of the master is no good have you sat with a believer and maybe that believer's been you whose life is crumbling in front of them and maybe you're there today i want to ask the question have you ever thought about what's the foundation on is the foundation going to church is the foundation not going to church is the foundation i believe that there's a god but God really, you know, thinks what I'm doing is okay and he'll forgive me. But like God is just kind of like this big man upstairs 
that faith walk, when life comes, is going to get blown apart, according to Jesus. Have you sat with someone who said, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on. This sucks. I hate what I'm going through, but I know that God has me. I know that there's a plan. Jesus said to not worry about the things of earth, but worry about the things of heaven. Jesus said to be radically generous. Jesus said to forgive. Jesus said not to commit adultery. Jesus said, and you go through the teachings, and all of a sudden you see a person who's so rock solid. Maybe you've met that person, and you're like, oh my word. I wish I had faith like her. And so Jesus is saying it right here. It's just do what I said, guys, and you can have faith like her. So back to my question, if you expect me to be at a different standard of you, as a church family, we are all working together to do more of what Jesus says. It's a lifelong process. You're like, I'm super far from that. Cool. But there's a step forward. If you're saying, I've never even heard of this before, I say, there's a step forward. If it's confusing or frustrating, I said, have you read the teachings of Jesus? Read the red letters. In your Bible, red letters in certain Bibles, you'll see those are the words that Jesus said. Read them. See what he says. Because Jesus is better. So the kingdom of God that he's teaching for us over and over again says, I, I, I'm really excited that you hear my words. But those who hear and do it now have a whole different foundation. Let me go back to the passage again here. Because now he gives an analogy of people who build their homes in rock versus sand. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came down, steam, streams rose, winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. If you've ever built anything in your life, you know what I'm talking about. I've always been the, I know just enough to be dangerous home repair guy. Like I started plumbing with a hammer as a joke with my friends, right? Like I know it's a tool and I got a leaking faucet, I'll just beat it. You know, like I wasn't, you know, I learned my way through things, but I've built things. And one of the things that I didn't know when I was building was how when you lay down any sort of pavers or rock in gardens. And we had this garden at our old house and I put down just kind of some sand. I didn't know you actually had to like tamp down and do like all these different things and put down pea gravel so it drains well and all this stuff. I just kind of dug some stuff, put some sand down and, and it was terrible. Weeds are coming up all over. The rocks are all crooked. It looked like garbage. The, the rain's coming. I mean, it was, it was a terrible thing. Let's make your house now. Let's take your house. If you live in a home, your apartment, wherever you live, and let's build your home on the beach. Now, awesome, right? Sweet. But I like to build beach castles and I like to build things out there. It, you know how the water erodes the sand. And as the sand starts to move, things start to crumble. If you've ever seen those places in California that are right on the ledges and then the whole thing drops off like the house is hanging over the edge. So it is with us, Jesus says, when you build your life on a foundation that keeps shifting. You, if you build your life on anything other than the teachings of Jesus, the gospel, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, you are going to get rocked. And you know what the majority of my job is with Pastor Nick? The majority of our time, like, what do pastors do during the week? Like, I know you preach on Sunday, you guys just like hang out. Yes. No, we actually work. And this is what we do. 
We're helping people whose lives are not built upon rock. We hear stories, we work with people, we counsel, we love, we cherish, we're in the community. We're watching people's lives are crumbling because for whatever reason, when lives are crumbling, no matter if you're inside of the church or out, people come to the church and say, why would God do this to me? Why would God allow this to happen to me? Now, I don't, I can't tell you that answer because that's God's choice and God's mind. I'm not going to get into that, but I will say this. If your life is built upon the rock, the ants, they can come and say, I'm going through this terrible, terrible thing. Will you walk with me? Will you pray with me? There's two different responses when people have foundations that are firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The foundation that is firm sees this as I, I can do this because of the teachings and the truth of what Jesus has. Those whose lives are built on sand, whatever's the new idea, whatever they think. I, I have a friend who I knew for years ago, was in our youth group, who's posting now uh, a new spirituality. Spirituality is, um, you know, I've been duped by organized religion, which is a common statement these days among certain groups of people, but organized religion, blah, 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 blah. And like, I just believe I need the best me I can be. And I have found now an inner strength and an inner peace that when I need to go through hard times, I look within myself and I can find an inner peace within myself, which gives me strength. And that strength inside of me, if this is you, you're like, oh my gosh, did you read my Facebook? No, it's somebody else. So is inner peace inside of me will give me the strength I need and I can find it within me. What happens when you're not strong? I mean, because we're all messed up, right? What if the inner you is telling you the wrong thing? Because the inner me, as I read scriptures, actually is corrupt and chooses myself over others all the time. And the inner me thinks of myself over you. And the inner me is a survival of myself or survival of God's people. Like the inner me is corrupt and it's deceitful and sinful. The heart of man is the sinful. So that type of thought process doesn't make any sense. So when the wind comes and the storm comes, and whatever happened to them, that life crumbles. My life, your life, Jesus' teaching says, we build our life on something that does not shift in circumstance. No matter your circumstance, the teachings of Jesus hold firm. If you forgive and are not angry with people, you will live a life that's different than those who are angry and hate people. Sermon on the Mount. It's a paraphrase. Statement. If you love not just your friends, but you love your enemies, you will have an inner freedom and peace that releases you from all the anger and darkness that can lead you towards. Sermon on the Mount. These simple principles transform lives, but why do we, why are we so resistant to actually do what he says? I'll tell you why we're resistant. Because the heart of man is wicked. And because we are selfish and because we struggle and because our mind take us in different directions. Guys, I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with you. That's why I don't want you to hold me to a standard that's like up here and you're down here. We are all in this together. Nick and I have conversations every week. Your pastors are messed up people. But we really are serious and love Jesus. We have struggles like you. We have pains like you. We have doubts like you. We cry like you. We're mad like you. We hate our enemies sometimes like you. We don't forgive sometimes like you. Sometimes we aren't generous just like you. We're in this together. But as a good coach, we want to drive you to what is great. Let's not stay what is good. Let's go what is great. And what is great is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
What is great is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is great is this message in which Jesus says, I'm going to give you life of freedom today if you'll listen to me. It's Matthew 5 through 7. Listen to me, and your life will be built upon something that nobody will understand. Because when the rain comes and the storms come and the announcements come and the pain comes, you will stand firm. You may cry out and you may hurt, which is real, but you will say, I will not be shaken. Don't you think our world right now needs more people with lives built upon rocks versus sand? Can you imagine right now if the media and our stories and our news are filled with people with life built upon rock as they stand there like, why in the world would you react that way? And they say simply because Jesus Christ is my savior and he has a better way for me and I stand firm on him as opposed to lives falling apart. So I want to take you just for a moment here through this again, the perspective, the kingdom perspective. I'm going to take you through the major themes of the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to listen to these themes. It's simple. It's clear. But when you put them all together, something really cool happens. When we bring these all together, you start to see a life that's transformed that looks exactly like Jesus. Here are the major themes of the Sermon on the Mount. God blesses people who are hungry and thirst after God, passionate hunger for him. God blesses people who are meek, humble, quiet strength. God blesses those who want righteousness. These are people who absolutely hate sin. They, say, they see sin as something that kills themselves and it kills others. They see sin as a sickness that needs to be eradicated. They want righteousness. God blesses those who are peacemakers. In the midst of all of our fighting, all of our quarrels, all of the pain, all of the shouting, God blesses those who are peacemakers. God blesses those who are merciful. When there should be judgment coming down, when there should be a rock thrown, he blesses those who give mercy. God blesses those who are persecuted for their faith. Those who are willing to stand up and say, I believe fully in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they stand firm and they are willing to do whatever it takes. In that list alone, is God blessing you? Can you relate to any of those? Are any of those in your life right now? Is God blessing you? And so that I ask your question, is your foundation on rock or sand? Let's keep going. In his kingdom, anger against somebody is like murder. So therefore, don't even be angry or don't insult people. Try to forgive people. Try to mend broken relationships. In God's kingdom, looking in lust is like adultery. If we're to look at another person lustfully, wanting something that is not ours, they're guilty of adultery in their heart. And in God's kingdom, there is none of that allowed because it breaks people's lives. It causes pain. God hates divorce. It hurts so many lives. Wrongful divorce breaks and destroys generations upon generations. And now it looks into the world of adultery because he hates what it does to us. God says, love your neighbor, but he also says, love your enemy. You must also love enemies and pray for people who are against you because it changes the way you view God's creation. You don't just like people who like you. You start to love people who aren't like you. Possessions on earth are important, 
but meaningful spiritual treasures will be found by good people who have store into heaven. We're here today. The resources are not for us, but we should be storing for things which last forever. People should not worry because God will take care of them. God will take care of you no matter what. Why do you worry about food or clothes or what you need tomorrow? Because you, if you worry, you don't trust God. Trust him that he's going to take care of you. People should not judge each other. It's hypocritical to do so. And only God can sit in judgment. That doesn't mean that we don't call each other out on sin because we want each other to be more like the kingdom. What he is saying, I have no right to look at you and cast that final word. My job is to say, brother, sister, I love you. I think there's better. Let's go back to the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God say? That's not judgment. That actually is love. Judgment is calling a final verdict on others. If you do so, it's hypocritical. God will help people who seek his help. He desires people to call out to him and ask and come to him in their time of need. And the way back to heaven is a single track. It's Jesus alone. It's a narrow gate. It's Christ alone. There's lots of ways to go to hell. In fact, every other way is a way to hell. There's one way to the kingdom of heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ alone. It's a singular way. There are not multiple ways to heaven. If you believe that, I challenge you to read the Bible because he doesn't say that. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. So either he said it and it's real, or he said it and he lied. If he lied, then we're wasting our time. If it's real, then he is the narrow gate. He said there's one way. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So after hearing this list, how do you feel? Is your life built on sand? Or is your life built on these teachings of the kingdom? Is your life built on your own thoughts, built on how your heart feels today, built on circumstances, built on, fle on fleeting lies? Is your heart built on the solid rock of his foundation of the gospel, or is it built on lies? Jesus gave us this. And I love this about him. This is for us to thrive today. This, when we live this, think about this principle. It's like you're carefree. You love people. You take care of people. People are attacking you. You're like, I love you anyways. Like, yeah, you can't even fight back from that. Like, Jesus' teachings are so unbelievably powerful and strong and life-changing. But why don't we do it? Why don't I do it? Why is it that I still hold bitterness in my heart towards people who've wronged me? Why do I sit there grinding my teeth, mad at people when I should forgive them. This is the beauty of the gospel. You're already forgiven for that. The beauty of the gospel is that you're forgiven, but he wants more. He's a good coach. There's better. Because when I forgive, I'm free. This, friends, was a message and sermon on freedom. This is our life. If you don't ever read the Bible and you're like, I don't want to read it, then this is my challenge to you. Would you please at least once a year engage Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? Read that over and over and over and over again and see if it changes you. But don't just read it and hear it. Read it and do it. See how things can change. So Jesus rocks the world. The sermon's crazy. People are sitting there like, what did we just hear? And, and then he goes into this final statement. The author gives us that Matthew 7, 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. 
Jesus came with a different perspective of his teaching because as he taught, he didn't just repeat laws. The teachers of their time, the Jewish teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they would teach these things as a way of explaining the law. This is what you're supposed to do. Such as, when you enter into your car, put key in ignition and turn. Now take seatbelt, put a cross lap, click into buckle. When then, once you are ready, you know, blah, 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 blah. All those things you learn when you're driving. This is what Jesus did. You put your seat buckle on because I don't want you to die. If you don't put your seat buckle on, when you drive, there's a chance you get in an accident. I don't want you to be in that accident. I want you to live. So listen to me. Get into your car because life comes with if you have your seat buckle on. So people are like, wait a minute. He's not just repeating laws to us. He's explaining the why behind it. So they were blown away by this teaching. How in the world can this guy speak with so much authority? Because he was the one who wrote the laws. What they sat there and listened was to the law writer. What they sat and listened to was the gospel creator. What they sat and listened to was the one who said, I love you so much. In a matter of time, I'm going to be dead on a cross for each and every one of you, but I'm going to rise again so that you can have eternal life. And I'm telling you right now, I love you too much to keep living in this cycle of sin. I want you out. So listen to me, friends. This is how you live your life. The Sermon on the Mount is a guide of life and freedom. And so this Jesus, as he teaches, and everyone's saying, like, who is this guy? This guy was the Son of God showing how to live free. Friends, I pray that through this sermon series, through our time as a Mosaic family, that you hear this freedom. You know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But let today be a day, a new day. Don't just go from here and forget what I just talked about. Don't walk from here and have another, hey, that was a cool series, liked it, great story at BMX Bike. Let this be a cool time of you saying, you know what? Foundation or sand, where's your life? When rocks come, when life comes, when hail comes, when storms come, what is your life built on? It's a simple question. What is your life built on? And if your life is built on sand, this is the glory of today. Rock can begin today. If your life is built on rock, Here's the glory of today. You are a disciple of Jesus. You have found the teachings of Jesus. Go and disciple others so that they can find freedom. I love that you guys come. I love that you're part of this family. But the reason why we're here is to go change lives, impact, and what our statement, which you should all know, igniting a movement of radical love that transforms our community and the world. We have hope, life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your job is to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's our job. And if you know the rock, please show others the rock. For those who live in sand, hear me today. May you know what it's like to live a life on the rock. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.